Good morning, and welcome to the River of Life Sunday Morning Podcast. If you're local to Wakulla County, we'd love to see you and worship with you in person. Our service times are Sunday at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. God bless you, and we hope you enjoy the sermon. All right, good evening, everyone. I've got uh, 7 o'clock. So we'll go ahead and uh, we'll go ahead and get started. So welcome to our uh, Wednesday night Bible study uh, as we continue our journey through the Book of Romans. And uh, tonight, I really, really hope we are going to learn something um, that's going to be very practical and very uh, helpful. I got a I got a lot of questions last week about this this divided man, this divided Christian. And we want to see why he's like he is. And so tonight we're going to try to try to show you that. Uh, we're going to be in verses 14 to 25. And uh, the title of our lesson is Flesh versus Spirit. Now, I'm not going to read the whole passage, but I want to read uh, just a few of the verses to kind of give you an idea, or let's kind of get the feel once again uh, of what Paul is saying. He says this, starting in verse 15, "...for I do not understand my own actions." For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. For I know that, in, that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what's right, but I don't have the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but in my members I see another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin." That dwells in my members. So then, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. Now, last week I took an entire lesson to show you that in this passage we have a divided Christian man. And I think that's very important that you understand this man as a Christian, because if you don't see him as a Christian, you'll just, you won't pay any attention to it. But if you see him as a Christian and you see this conflict, this battle, this, this competition going on inside of him, and you realize, wow, that's a, that's a Christian that has that going on, you're going you're to perk up, you're going to pay attention. And, and, and I think it's incredibly important that we understand this is a Christian man, but he's a divided man. He's divided in the sense that he doesn't always do the things that he wants to do. And sometimes he finds himself doing things that he doesn't want to do. Now think about that. That's kind of weird when you think about it, right? Most people would just say, well, what's, I don't understand that. If you, if you really want to do something, just do it. And if you don't really want to do something, don't do it. That seems like common sense. But this guy is saying, Paul in this case is saying, I'm doing things I don't really want to do. And the things that I really want to do, I, I can't seem to, to pull them off. So there's, there's this man here that's divided. He's got this competition, this battle, this conflict inside of him. Now, what this teaches us is this reality that sin remains in a New Testament Christian. All right, And the Bible validates this, not only here in chapter 7 of Romans, but in, in uh, 1 John 1, 8, I believe, it says, if we say we have no sin, we're a liar and the truth is not in us. So we are going to battle sin. We're going to fight with sin. But what I want to know is, I, I want to know why are we this way? Specifically, why is this man fighting this battle, this competition? What's going on inside of him and what's going inside of you and what's going in, in, on inside of me that, that makes us do things we don't want to do and, and won't allow us to do things that we really want to do. What, what is going on? And we're going to learn that uh, here tonight. Now, 
we need to start off with a little bit of terminology. Now, the Bible, when it describes this conflict that goes on inside each one of us, it uses a lot of different terms. Um, for example, sometimes it, it talks about the old self versus the, the new self. For example, Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says this, Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and put on the new self, which is created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Again, he's, he's, he's describing the same conflict, the same battle, the same competition. Put off the old self, put on the new self. He just uses a different terminology. Another term that we're going to see, and this is what we're going to focus on here tonight, is this, this, uh, this, this pair of terms called flesh versus spirit. Okay, and this is what we're going to focus on. And I, but I want you to see in different scriptures, it'll call it old man, new man, old self, new self, flesh, spirit. But it's talking about this same battle, this same division that goes on inside each one of us. I'm just going to focus tonight on these terms, flesh versus spirit. Now, these terms are introduced to us by Jesus. Uh, in his uh, conversation with Nicodemus in John chapter 3, Jesus said this, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Don't marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. You see, we're all born of the flesh, but we have to be born again to have spiritual life. And we'll talk about that here in just a second. So here Jesus is using these terms to describe flesh and, and spirit. Now, what I want to do is I want to take these terms tonight and I want to look at them. And I want to start with an unbeliever. Okay, this is where we're going to start tonight is looking at an unbeliever. By the way, we were all unbelievers at one point, right? We've all been there. So we've all are bringing into our Christian life this, this baggage. And I'm going to show you where this baggage uh, comes from tonight. So let's look first at how Paul describes an unbeliever. And this is really important. Paul says this in Ephesians 2, and you were dead in your sins. Now, Paul doesn't mean you were physically dead because we're all still here. Paul means you were spiritually dead. You had no spiritual life in you whatsoever as an unbeliever. I'm, it's always funny to me when I hear somebody describe themselves, oh, I'm a spiritual person. No, you're not. No, you're not. Not according to the Bible. You may think about deep things. You may think about God and life and death and all that. But according to the Bible, you are spiritually dead. You have no spiritual life in you whatsoever. In fact, look at Ephesians 4. Paul says this, You must not walk as Gentiles do. And he's talking about unbelievers. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God. Now, what is he saying? He's talking about the spiritual life of God. You are, you're cut off from the spiritual life that God provides. Now here's the thing about unbelievers. They have no competition in them. They don't have that battle. They don't have that conflict because there's no flesh and spirit. There's only flesh. So they don't have a battle inside of them that I'm trying to do the right thing and I can't and I'm, there's no battle in them at all. There's other things going on, but there isn't this battle between flesh and spirit because they have no spiritual life. So if I put up a picture uh, of an unbeliever it would look like this. They are all flesh and they have no God life. They are alienated from the life of God. They have no, they are spiritually dead. Everybody with me? Okay, they are, and this is important. They are completely flesh. They have no spirit. By the way, each one of us was just like that at one time in our life. Now, 
What I'm going to say next is probably the most important thing I'm going to say here tonight. And, and you have to get this. If you want to understand who unbelievers are, if you want to understand who you are, you have to understand the very next thing that I'm going to, I'm going to say. And that is we need to understand what the Bible means when it talks about flesh. You know, in the Bible, you'll, you'll come across verses and it says, don't walk in the flesh or don't set your mind on the flesh. What, is it, what does it mean by that? What's that term mean when the Bible talks about flesh? Well, let me tell you, it has nothing to do with your skin or your tendons or your hair or any physical attribute that you have. It's got nothing to do with any of that. It has everything to do with your mind and your behavior. Okay? So when it talks about the flesh, even though it's using that term, it's not talking about skin and bones and, 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 and tendons and things like that. It's talking about your mind, the way you think, and it's talking about your behavior, the way you act. Now here is a definition of the flesh. If you want to take a note, write anything down, this is the thing to write down. Flesh refers to the ways of thinking and the patterns of behavior by which a person attempts to get their spiritual needs met apart from God. Okay, let me say that again because that is really, really, really important. Flesh refers to the ways of thinking and the patterns of behavior by which a person attempts to get their spiritual needs met apart from God. All right, that's the definition of flesh. Now think about this. We are physical beings, but we all have spiritual needs, right? We have physical needs, uh, food, shelter, clothing, sex, those kind of things. Those are spiritual, I mean, uh, physical needs, but we all have spiritual needs. We have needs like identity. I mean, it's, it's all, people need to know who they are. They need an identity. That's a, that's a spiritual need. They, they have this need for love, right? They have need for, for self-esteem, for purpose, for, for hope. We all need these things. In fact, these are the things that are really worthwhile. These are the things that make life worth living. So we've, here we are with all these needs, right? And when a person has no spiritual life in them, when they have no God life, then they have to meet those needs somewhere else other than through God. Are you with me? Because they can't. In fact, they only have one option, and the only option they have is through their flesh. So if I need to find my identity, I look in my flesh. I look at ways of thinking and patterns of behavior. If I need to find love, I look for it through flesh. If I need hope, if I need purpose, I look for my flesh. Because remember, as an unbeliever, I have no spiritual life. I have no connection to God. I have, no, I have nothing there. I can't get my needs met through Him. So the only option I have is to go through my flesh. Now, if you know anything about me, I like real examples. I like real life. I like to bring things home. So let me bring this home to for you. So let me introduce you to Kate. So Kate uh, is a young girl. Uh, Kate had a perfectly normal life up until she was nine years old. In fact, Kate's parents brought her to a church very similar to this one. Now they weren't believers. Uh, they would come on Sunday morning. They thought it was important to bring their kids to church, but you know they'd never come on Wednesday night or go to a Bible study, anything radical like that. They wouldn't, they wouldn't do that. But they would bring them on, on Sunday morning. So Kate would go to the children's program and, and she'd go to vacation Bible school. And, and so she had a perfectly normal life. Mom and dad at home, everything was fine. And it was perfectly fine until she was nine years old. And at nine years old, Kate's dad met another woman. 
and he walked out on Kate and her family, and he ended up marrying this other woman and starting a new family. To make matters worse, he moved about three states away, so he wasn't close. And so it ended up Kate hardly ever saw him. In fact, maybe two weeks on Christmas, and, and as she grew into her teenage years, it just became less, he became less and less a part of her, uh, of her, her family. Now, Kate's mom, who Kate really needed at this time in her life, uh, she was devastated. She didn't see it coming. And instead of being strong for Kate and being there for Kate, she turned to alcohol to, to, to medicate her pain, right? So, so Kate, here she is at this highly impressionable age of nine years old, and her dad is gone. He's walked out. Her mom's not there for her. So what does Kate do? Well, let me tell you. You got to understand something about kids. Kids don't understand that their dad is a rogue. She loves her dad, right? Her dad's her hero. She don't. She don't get. She don't understand sin and and relate. She don't get all that. So what do kids do? They do what kids do. They internalize. What did I do wrong? What's What's wrong with me? What, why did he leave? Am I not good? I mean, that's what kids do because they don't see. Are you with me? I mean, that's just what children do. And by the way, so she began to suffer a lot. She was very angry all the time. She had a lot of guilt. She shouldn't have felt guilty, but she did. And so she struggled with this as she grew into her teenage years. And if you asked her, why are you so angry or why do you feel so guilty? She, she probably couldn't even have answered it. She just knew those feelings were there. Now, here's the thing. These feelings and these things began to come out in her behavior. She became sexually active at 15. She had her first abortion when she was 18. She had her second abortion uh, when she was 21. She got married at 25, had a daughter. She's divorced at 32. So here she is in her mid-30s. She's a single mom. Uh, she's, she's, you know, she's raising her daughter. She's suffering with depression. She's still struggling with anger and, and guilt. Now she's got a lot of shame uh, over the abortions and things like that. So now on the outside, if you met Kate, if you met her in church and you said, how are you? She would be like every one of us. She'd say, oh, I'm fine. Everything's doing great. But let me tell you, inside, she's miserable. She is absolutely miserable, angry, guilty, full of shame. All of this stuff is just going on, right? And she's, you know, I mean, this is who she is. Now, one day she meets a friend at work. And her friend uh, gives her a Bible and invites her to church. And so Kate goes, and for several weeks, she goes to church. And when she sits in church, she hears a lot of the stories. Uh, she hears a lot of the terminology that she had heard when she was a, a little girl, right? And, and, she, and she completely understood what the preacher was saying. It wasn't like he was speaking Greek. She understood the message. She understood the gospel. She, she knew her life was messed up. She knew she was miserable. She wanted a change, but to be quite honest... There was no desire in her to give her life to Christ. I mean, she came week after week after week, but just nothing happened. There was just nothing in her that wanted to make Christ the Lord of her life. Now, let's start right, stop right there for just a moment, and let's look at Kate. Kate is an unbeliever, okay? Now, according to Paul, she is what? Spiritually dead. She has no spiritual life in her at all. She is complete flesh, Right? So, again, she's in the flesh. Romans 8, 7, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It doesn't want anything to do with God. It doesn't want to submit to God's law. She's miserable, but she don't want to do that. 
you know, somebody wave a magic wand over me and change my life, but I don't want to do that. I don't want to get involved in all that, that, that Christian stuff. Just, just somebody fix me, right? Make it, make it nice and, and easy. She is completely in the flesh. But here's the thing. Kate still has spiritual needs, doesn't she? Doesn't she still have this need for identity to know who she is? Doesn't she still have the need for love and hope and purpose and self-esteem? All of these, she still has those needs. So how does she meet those needs? Where does it come from? It can't come from God. She doesn't know him. He's, he's not in her. There is no spiritual life. So she has to go through her flesh. So let's just take one of those, for example. Let's take, let's take the need to feel loved. Kate still does in her 30s what she's done since she was 15. The only way she feels validated... The only way she feels loved is through sexual encounters with men. That's how she meets that need to feel love. See, she meets that through the flesh. She walks in the flesh. Her mind is set on the flesh. That's what the Bible means. You're you're trying to fulfill spiritual needs through the only avenue you have, which is your flesh. Look Look at the culture today. They're trying to find identity. Where do you find it? They're trying to find it in their gender. They try to find it in their race. They try to find it in their victimhood. They try to find it. And Jesus is over here. The Bible says, in Christ there is no Jew or Greek or male or female or rich or poor. You are all one in Christ. That's your identity. But if you don't have the Spirit, you're over here looking for it everywhere you can because you don't have any spiritual life. I can't blame them because they don't know Christ. They don't have the Spirit. They're doing the best they can to try to find it through all these avenues, and it's all doomed to failure. It's all absolutely doomed to failure. And and the same thing is with Kate. She feels love for a little bit, but now she's just got more guilt and more shame and more anger. It's just so short-lived. Now listen to me. As unbelievers, we were all at one time just like Kate. Just like Kate. Now, you may not have experienced some trauma like Kate, but everybody's trying to fulfill. What about the man that works and works and works and tries to make more and more money and doesn't, is not there for his family? He's doing the same thing. He's got these needs for validation. He's got these needs for approval. And he, and he, and he can't find it in Christ because he has no God life, so he, he tries to find it through work. He, that's his purpose. Are you with me? I don't care. I mean, I'm not just... What about the girl who posts stuff on Facebook, takes that picture and puts something on Facebook just so somebody will say, like, and you're so pretty, and they get that validation. They're doing the same thing. They they need that. They need somebody to say, "You're you're worth something. But they have no spiritual life, so they get it through likes on Facebook. Are you with me? We were all there. We were all there at one time. We were just like Kate. You see, apart from God as an unbeliever, you've developed ways of thinking and patterns of behavior to fulfill your spiritual needs apart from Christ. See, this is exactly what the Bible means when it says you're walking in the flesh. You've got your mind set on the flesh. You're fulfilling spiritual needs apart from God. That's what it means. That's what the flesh means. And here's the thing. For many of us, we've relied on these for so many years that I've got the analogy of a two-rut dirt road. If any of y'all have got a two-rut dirt road going into your house, after a while, you can just take your hands off the wheel. 
and your car will just stay in the ruts. That's a lot the way we are. We've, we've done this stuff for so long that we don't even have to think about it anymore. You need love, you go do this. You need validation, oh, go do this. You need to know your uh, identity, go, go find it here. That's, that's all you know. So you're, you've developed these patterns of behavior, or you might want to call it baggage, but you bring all this with you when you come to, to Christ. See, this is who Kate is. This is her life. This is, she is completely in the flesh. This is how she's getting her needs met. Again, she has no other options. She doesn't know Jesus. She doesn't have Christ. She doesn't have the Spirit. But that all changed one Friday night in 2009. Kate is in her trailer. She rents a little single-wide trailer with her, with her daughter, and she puts her daughter down uh, to, to go to bed, and her daughter goes to sleep, and Kate goes out and turns on the TV, and she's watching TV, and uh, it's, there's nothing on, you know, and she looks over and she sees that Bible that her friend gave her. And the only scripture she can really remember from childhood is John 3.16. So she opens that Bible and she finds the Gospel of John and she begins to read. And as she begins to read, for the very first time, something is different. She, she doesn't just see that, those words as, as stories, as myths, as, 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 a, as, as something like that. No, she begins to see that this is, this is true. This is really true. Jesus goes from being this, this caricature on a, on, on a children's poster in vacation Bible school to being this real, breathing, living Son of God who died on a cross to pay for her sin. Something happened in that trailer. Then all of a sudden her eyes are open, her ears are open, her heart is open, and she sees Jesus for who, true, who He truly is. And on that dirty carpet in that single wide trailer, she kneels down in that living room and Kate is born again. Kate is born again. Now, what happens to Kate? Well, she was spiritually dead. Now she's alive. She was blind. Now she can see. She was alienated from God. Now she's reconciled to God. She was an enemy of God. Now she's a child of God. She was a slave of sin. Now she's a slave of righteousness. She was only flesh... But hold on one minute. You see, now you can't say she's only spirit because she's not, is she? She has the spirit. See, if you look at that picture now, she's not just flesh anymore. Now she's got this God life inside of her. She's got the spirit. She's this new creation. So so here's Kate. Now everything's different. Now she not only has the ability to resist sin, she's actually got the desire to do it. She wants to do it. She wants to be different. She wants to change. See, she once walked only after the flesh, but now she has another option. Paul calls it this in Galatians fifteen, uh, Galatians 5.16, but I say, walk in the Spirit. You see the difference? Now when she's got a need that needs to be met, before it was only flesh, now she's got another option, fulfill it through the Spirit. You need hope, Look through the Spirit. You need love, look to Christ. You need identity, find it in Jesus. Not those other places. For the first time, she has an option. She has another way of getting her spiritual needs met. Now, she is no longer... See, before she was a slave to sin because she had no other options. But she's not a slave to it anymore. She's been set free from that and now she's been introduced to Christ. She has the Spirit of God inside of her and she has the capacity for godliness. 
She is completely new. Now, here's the thing. Kate, just like Paul and just like Billy Graham and just like Henry Jones and just like me and you, we're all going to struggle with sin. Why? Because we've been born into what one author describes as our earth suit. We've been born into this flesh. You see, all those ruts in your brain, right? They're, they don't just go away when you get saved, right? All those ways that you've been behaving and thinking for years and years and years, and one day you get up and you're born again, but you're still in this body. You're still in this flesh. You've still got these ways of thinking, these patterns of behavior that you've developed over all these years. They're still there. See, you're still in the flesh. Look at Romans 7, 25. Watch what Paul says. So then I myself, Paul says, this is me. This is who I really am now in Christ. I am a, this is my new self. I am a new person. I serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh, the old ways of thinking, the old patterns of behavior, I still serve the law of sin. Do you see that? I'm, I'm a new person. I want to follow God, but my flesh, these old ways of thinking, these old patterns of behavior, they still want to go the other way. So the reality with Kate, as it is with you and I, is that sin remains with her. Sin still indwells her, and it creates a competition inside of each one of us. Anytime we come to get our need met, God says, find it in me. The Spirit says, find it, but the flesh says, no, no, no. You always did it this way. Come on back over here. You can do it this way. You can find your identity over here. You can find validation on a Facebook page. You can find purpose in your work. You can find love in a sexual encounter. You don't need to find... See, it's a, it's a pulling. It's a competition. Galatians 5.17. Listen to what it says. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. The flesh is pulling you over here. Do it this way. But the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. It's saying, no, find, his, find, your, find your, your purpose, your identity, your hope, your love. Find your spiritual needs. Let them be met in Christ. These are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Listen, sin can and sometimes does win. Why? Have you ever asked that? Why? 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 If I'm sitting here and that way made me miserable, that way created anger and guilt and shame, why would I ever listen to that way? Have you ever thought about that? It don't make any sense. But we do it every single day. We, we buy into that. And over here is love and hope and purity and holiness and, and everything good. And Paul says, man, I, I'm being pulled. Why? Why does sin win? Well, let's go back to Kate. Remember, Kate has spent her whole life doing things a certain way, the wrong way. She's been relying on the flesh, and she's got all these ruts, if you will, ingrained in her brain. And by the way, just breaking from those patterns of behavior would be hard enough if, if, if there was nothing else involved. But Kate has an enemy. And that enemy comes to Kate and says... You can't do that. You're just the old Kate. Yeah, don't believe all that new stuff. Don't believe all that mess. This is the way it's, we've always done it. Just come back over here. So the temptation is always being pulled to fulfill your needs 
through the flesh. He continually tempts her. And we'll talk about this in just a second. He continually tempts her to use the old ways of the flesh to get her spiritual needs met. Now listen, Kate will become a victorious Christian. Paul said in, in, in chapter 6, sin will not have dominion over you. That's not a command, that's a promise. Sin will not dominate you. Sin will not rule over you. She will become a victorious Christian. But listen to me, she's got to fight. She's got to fight. You don't just, it, it, nobody, it's not, a, it's not a magic wand. It just gets waved over you and all the old stuff goes away and it's just all fruit basket turnover. It doesn't work that way. There's a battle and you've got to fight. Now, I want to leave you tonight with four things to remember in your fight against sin, okay? I can't fight the battle for you. I got my own battle going on here, right? I got one guy fighting this battle. <laughs> it's me and the Lord, and, and, and you got to fight your own, right? I'm, I'm, I'm over here working about my own thing. But I want to help you. I want to give you four things to remember in your fight against sin. Number one is this. There's a biblical principle called already but not yet. Already, but not yet. You, according to the Word of God, you have been decisively and irrevocably set free from sin. But you are not yet perfectly free of its temptations. You're free of its power. It cannot make you do anything. You're not a slave to it. But you're not completely free yet from its temptations. You see, when you and I believed in Christ and we were united to Him by faith, the Bible tells us that we were delivered from uh, the dominion of sin. You were a slave of sin, now you are a slave of righteousness. By the way, that's a past event that has already happened. However, this final being set free, this final where there was no more temptation, no more pull to do the wrong thing, that hasn't quite happened as yet. By the way, I'm not just saying this. The Bible teaches this over and over and over and over again. And I'm going to show you that in just a second. But these two things should always be deeply rooted in our mind. Already, but not yet. Already, but not yet. Let me show you the already. Romans 6, 14. Sin shall not be master over you. That's a promise. For you're not under law, but you're under grace. Sin will not rule you. Sin, 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 sin is not going to have dominion over you. That's a promise. But watch this. Don't let sin reign in your mortal body. Not yet. Don't do it. Don't let it happen, Paul says. I'll give you another one. Already, having been freed from sin, that's past tense, you became slaves of righteousness. That's already happened. I have been freed from sin. I am a slave of righteousness. Now watch what Paul says. Present your members as slaves to righteousness. See, you've got to make a choice. When, 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 the, when, the, when the enemy tempts you to fulfill that spiritual need through the flesh, you've got to make a choice. You've got to fight. You've got to present your members not to the flesh, but you've got to present them to Jesus and say, I want to do it your way. Already, but not yet. There's still a battle. There's still a competition. There's still a, a fight. This is the biblical principle of already, but not yet. See, this new person who you are, that, that is your identity. You are a new creation in Jesus Christ. That is your truest identity. Now go act like it. Start to be in practice who you really are in the reality of Jesus Christ. Okay? Number two, don't listen to me. Stop listening to your feelings. 
Stop listening to your feelings. I don't know how many times I've heard this. I don't feel like I have power over sin. I I feel like sin has power over me. Listen, I don't mean to be rude, but I could care less what you feel. You should care less what you feel. What you feel means nothing. That is a huge mistake. That is absolutely the worst thing you can do. Why? Because it's your feelings, that's your flesh telling you how to feel. That's how it deceives you. You, you, you don't have no chance to beat this thing. That's your flesh talking to you. Yeah, you're right. I'll just come back over here and do it. I mean, that's just, that's crazy. Listen, your flesh lies to you and it deceives you. It's called deceitful desires. Stop listening to it. The Word of God is true, not your feelings. The Word of God is true, not your feelings. And the Word of God says you are a new creation in Jesus Christ. You have been set free from sin. Now act like it. Believe that. Listen, do you understand that when you came to Christ... You, you came to Christ through faith in the Word of God, in the Gospel of God, through faith in Christ. Do you think you walk out the Christian life any different way? No, you walk it out through faith. You don't all of a sudden just feel like a victor and feel like a conqueror. I'm a conqueror because the Bible says I'm a conqueror. I believe it. I, I, it's not how I get up and feel every day. It's what the Word says about me. So stop listening to your feelings. Number three... You have to change your thinking. You have to change the way that you think. Go back to Ephesians 4. I brought this one up earlier. I think I said we'd come back to it. Listen to what Paul says. Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through what? Say it with me. Your desires lie to you. They lie to you. It's better over here. It's, it's going to be a lot more fulfilling. If you, if you log on to this computer, then what you're going to see there is a lot more fulfilling than your marriage. Come on over here. That's a, that's a lie. If you, if you just post that to Facebook, man, it's going to feel so good when you get all those likes and they tell you how, how pretty you are. It's, it's, that's what it does because we have those desires. But watch what Paul says. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. In other words, think differently. Think differently. Change the way you think and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Listen to Romans 8, 5 through 6. For those who live according to the flesh, if you're living according to the flesh, if you're fulfilling your spiritual needs through the flesh, guess why? Because you've got your mind set on things of the flesh. You want to live according to the Spirit? You want to fulfill your spiritual needs through Christ? Then set your mind on spiritual things. It's all about the way you think. What, Paul, go back to chapter 6. Paul says, consider yourself to be free. Start thinking this way. Again, this is, a, this is a life change because so many of us have these patterns and these ways of thinking that we've relied on all these years. You've got to break out of that. You've got to start believing the Word of God and standing on the Word of God, and having faith in the Word of God, and putting your trust in the Word of God, and believing what it says about you, not what you say about yourself. Stop, or what anybody else says about you for that matter. Number four, really important, recognize the problem. Okay? Recognize the problem. You'll get what I'm going to say here in just a second. Where does, think about it for just one moment. Where does sin come from? 
Well, James tells us where sin comes from. James 1, 14 to 15. Each one is tempted when they're drawn away by their own desires and enticed. And when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. Sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. So sin comes from, it plays on your desires. Desires for what? Desires for acceptance. Desires for approval, for love, for identity, for hope, for purpose. By the way, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. Right? There's nothing wrong. We all need love. We all need approval. We all need acceptance. We all need hope. We all need purpose. Those are perfectly fine. The sin is when you fulfill them through the flesh and not through Jesus. That's where the sin comes in. And see, that's what the flesh does. It tempts you, come on over here. You can fulfill these through your own way. Just make yourself your own God is basically what you're doing. By the way, it all goes back to the garden. You've heard people say it for years. Satan doesn't change what he does because if it ain't broke, don't fix it. God don't want you to be like him. You can be your own God. You can know the difference between good and evil. You can set your own rules, your own morals. Come on over here. It's the same lie over and over. Fulfill your needs through the flesh, not through the Spirit. Listen, any time a Christian struggles with sin, it's because they've bought into a lie. They believe the lie of the flesh that the flesh can fulfill your need better than God. Okay? If, you've, if you're struggling with a sin, if you're struggling with pornography, if you're struggling with, with gossip, if you're struggling with whatever, right? If you've sinned, it's because you've bought into a lie that the flesh can somehow fulfill that need you have better than God Himself. And you bought into it. And you said, okay, I'll go this route. And of course, there's just emptiness and shame and guilt and all that other stuff, right? You have to recognize the problem and ask yourself why. Whenever that happens, ask yourself why. What was it about that need? That particular need, that, that juicy bit of gossip that I had on the... I mean, I knew something and everybody... Boy, I just wanted to tell it so bad. And the Bible's sitting there saying, don't do it. But I just, I just had to do it. Anybody done that? Come on. By the way, how do you feel after it's out of your mouth? Was it fulfilling? Did you feel... Anybody? It's not there at all. It's just, it's just flat. It's just empty. That didn't feel near as good as I thought it was going to feel. That's sin. That's the flesh. It never feels as good as you thought it was going to be because it's lied to you and it's deceived you and you basically turned your back on Christ and you tried to fulfill that need through the flesh and you sinned. Ask yourself, why? Why did I do that? What was it? about that thing that I wanted to do that was so pulling, that pulled me so much toward the flesh instead of me turning to Christ. Recognize the problem. Look at yourself, right? I mean, so many of us just don't take the time to even understand why we're making the choices that we're making. We don't get it. We don't, a lot of it, by the way, goes back. We've been doing it a long, long time. And hopefully in some small way tonight, um, by explaining what the Bible means through the flesh. by And, and I hope, I, I, listen, I, I've worked on this for a week, trying to explain this in a way that, that we can understand it. Listen, over here is the Spirit. And can I tell you, it's so much better and so much purer and so much more fulfilling 
and so much better than anything you're going to find in the flesh. Don't listen to your feelings. Don't listen to the lies. Stand on the Word of God. Act the way in, rea- in practice who you are in reality. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we love you. We thank you for Romans chapter 7. What an incredible, incredible chapter it is. I'm just so thankful it's in the Bible. Um, Lord, but I, we don't accept it. Yes, we struggle with sin, but God, we were going to fight. Christians fight, Christians run, Christians discipline, Christians battle. We do not give up and just let it be because we want to be like you. We love you. We want to honor you. We want to serve you. Yes, we're going to fall. We're sorry we confess that, but we get up and we move on. And we, we tonight, somehow, someway, Holy Spirit, teach us, show us, for, for, for some here for the very first time, what's really going on in their life, the the lies of the flesh that they're buying into. Make it real to them tonight in a way that only you can. I can't do it. I cannot do it through my words, but you can do it in a way through your power and through your love and through your just, just the way you open things up to us. Holy Spirit, I ask you to do that. There are some people here tonight that have struggled with some sins for a long time, and they don't even know why. They just can't get past it. Show them tonight. Show them tonight how they've begun to rely on that thing in their life to fulfill some underlying deep need apart from you. Father, I pray if there's anybody here that's flesh only tonight, if there's anybody here that's an unbeliever, they do not have the God life in them. God, I I really haven't explained the gospel tonight, that you died for us on a cross to pay for our sin, that if we'll put our faith in you, we'll be united to you and become new people. God, somehow, some way, open their hearts. Open their hearts like Kate on the floor of that dirty trailer, God. Let them see your word. Let them see you differently tonight than they've ever seen you before. And we ask all that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.